seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Welcome, friends, to episode 147 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 147 episodes, still got my main man, Brian Allen. How's it going down in Texas, dude? Good. Nothing's crashed. <laughs> still got power. That's awesome. You even got about 10 minutes of rain last week, I think. Dude, that is a rarity in the summer. Yeah. That's real. I, was it a real storm that lasted at least it, like 30 no, minutes or whatever? No, I mean, it, it wasn't much. It was about... <laughs> It's like, hey, look, it's raining. Oh, and then then you look back. Oh, never mind it. Ah, that sucks. (laughs) Yeah, we've been, we actually did get pretty hot. We had like three days of like 90 some degrees. So it was like real temperatures here, but then it cooled back off. So we got lucky, but you know, people up here were miserable for like a week. (laughs) So yeah, it's, we're at least getting past the hot part for us. I hope y'all's cools off pretty quick too. But yeah, this episode, man, we got a lot of stuff to cover. This is going to be a good show. We're going to be, I say a good show. There's a couple of tough topics we're going to cover, but yeah, there's, there's some good stuff this week. But before we get into that, if you would like to check out the show sponsor, you can check out cardsphere.com. They are a place where you can literally name your price that you want to sell something for, and you can name your price of something you want to buy something for. Like, not even exaggerating. You can literally go do it. Matter of fact, I have two videos up on YouTube right now. If you want to go check them out where I explain how the site works, you can walk through it. And another, it shows you how much money you can save if you play the game right over on the website. So yeah, check that out. They are at cardsphere.com. And then I want to give a shout out to some people. We have some monthly winners over on our Patreon. You can check out patreon.com slash color of magic. So this month's winners are Michael Thompson and Adam Hernandez. I'll be getting some stuff out in the mail to you. And I want to apologize if you were one of our new patrons from last couple of weeks. I've been extremely busy and I did not get your postcards out to you, but those will be hitting the mail, I think on Saturday or on Monday. Unfortunately, I have two weddings I got to go to the next couple of days. So that's a thing. Not unfortunate that he has to go to a wedding. Just unfortunate in terms of... <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Be real, though. I ain't gonna lie. I've had some friends. God bless you. If you you do the like traditional hardcore Roman Catholic weddings, I can't do those no more, man. Like I did a couple of them. They're so long. They're so long. Like I get went to one. It came with like an itinerary. It had like a booklet of things. And I'm like, oh, no. Right. Like, like I just knew. And dude, like it was like three hours. I'm like, bro, three. I, I think a traditional Indian wedding is a couple of days, isn't it? I don't know. I have, a friend, I, was, that's been, I have a friend that's been to a couple of those, and yeah, they go. Actually, I'm going days. to an, I'm going to an Indian wedding tomorrow. Actually, okay, so yeah. so but it's it's only going to be like the whole thing. I think like re, the uh, party and all afterwards is. I think total is going to be like four hours. Okay. So not bad. Uh, and I'm I'm gonna be sharp. I'm gonna share some pictures on social because I got me like because I checked with them to make sure it was cool because I don't want to like culturally upset anybody. But I got me a nice like dark blue dashiki with some gold trim on the on the neck and the the cuffs and where like i'm gonna look good <laughs> like I'm, I'm gonna have to show it off because man i ain't gotten to dress up to go do nothing since covid so like i figured hell if i'm gonna do this one i'm gonna show out like they're and it they're doing the full bright colorful thing or whatever so it'll be a good time but yeah i will get everything out for everybody uh just want to make sure so if you've been looking for the postcard they are still coming i promise 
Uh, also, check out colorofmtg.com slash shop if you can get you some tokens and some play mats and support the show while getting some goodies. And actually, I have to say, I saw a couple of our things out in the wild at Command Fest. Nice. That was very cool to see, see those out there. And we shared some tokens and people really liked them. So, yeah, check those out. It's a great way to support the show and you can get something cool for yourself. Uh, now, we're going to get into some uh, rants here. And this one, this one, it comes down to people being mad about people conceding games. And I, and I don't really get it, right? Because in paper, sometimes I'll concede just to save time. Yeah. Right? Like, if I'm like, okay, look, you've got five or six cards in hand. you got tons of mana. you got two or three things on the board I'm in trouble to deal with. I'm in top deck mode anyway, and you're at more than enough life. I don't think I even have a reasonable out without you missing four times in a row and me hitting three times in a row. Like, I'm good with this. I'm going to scoop up, go grab a snack because I still got like 20 minutes and it's going to be a long tournament, right? On arena, it's kind of the same thing because like, okay, let me, let me talk about where this originates from. There's a situation in a game where I got the opponent down to either one or two life and they were stabilizing and come back. They have life linkers in the deck. Matter of fact, they're playing Celestia enchantments. So if you play standard, uh, it's basically using several of the enchantment things from Kamigawa or whatever with you gain life and reduces your cost of things. And if you've seen, yeah, if you've seen the deck, you know what it is. So they've already got a couple of life linkers out. Like I'm literally down to, they're going to, they're about to remove two of my three things on the board. So I'm going to have like a one, one or two, two left. I think I had like two cards left in hand, but neither one does anything to anything on the board. Right. So I'm like, this game's obviously over. It's going to take them like three turns to kill me, but it it's over. Right. So I'm like, cool, GG's, concede, I move on, whatever. Partly because, one, I am recording footage, and sometimes I'm doing multiple things that day. So, like, if I can save time, I'm going to save me another two or three minutes, right, you know? But I had somebody respond. It's like, well, that was just bad sportsmanship. Like, they let you do everything you want to do with your deck, whatever, but then as soon as they had the advantage, you just conceded. Like, that's just bad sportsmanship. And I'm like, but is it, though? The only reason they let me do what I was doing is because the game was still in the balance. We were both doing stuff because... Yeah, nobody's going to concede when they got a chance to win the game. <laughs> yeah, like neither of us knew who was going to win at that point. So neither of us is conceding. And I would never expect my opponent to concede just because I have the advantage. Like if they think they can come back, sure, it's their right to play through it. But... If just you're as, conceding, clearly their deck has done what it was designed to do. <laughs> yeah, but my thing is, even if I was on the other side and the opponent decides to concede, cool. I still got the win. So why is anybody upset? Right? I Matter of fact, I've had that happen where I've been in that exact spot where your opponent's trying to beat you down or whatever, and then you end up making the comeback and stabilizing and then they're like okay cool you got me and then they just concede even though they're still at like 15 life or whatever because they know the game's over but i'm not mad about it i get to celebrate a win on a nice comeback it's like and and then the flip side of that is they just want you to sit there you know i'm just like why why it doesn't make any sense now i will say there's an exception if my opponent was playing like a quirky or weird deck or whatever I would let them have a couple of turns so their deck can just pop off and do what it's trying to do. Yeah. Right. For two reasons. One, 
because it is just cool for that player to finally like all my stuff came together and I'm going to get a win doing the cool thing. But the other is there's an opportunity to entertain my viewers, right? Because they're getting to see a rare thing. And, you know, there's like, how often you get to see the weird quirky deck? They get to have fun watching it go off. But for them to just sit for another three turns of me effectively doing nothing for an opponent playing a deck that they already get to see pretty much on every video at least once because those right. decks are everywhere right now. And they, every time they play Magic, they get to see that deck. Yeah, exactly. Nobody's gaining anything from me sitting there. Like, why would I not concede? It's a waste of my time. The opponent's already got the win. My viewers aren't gaining anything out of it. Like, there's there's no point other than just to sit there. So I was before we got recording today... I was on stream, so I asked my viewers. I'm like, okay, here's the situation. I laid it out for them, and I just said, like, am I in the wrong here? Because I'm really curious. Because if I am, then, you know, I'll take the L. And not a single one said there was a problem with it. Every person was like, yeah, it makes sense to concede. Like, I would have conceded, too. Like, there's no reason to sit there. And I even had a couple people say, well, if your opponent had, like, a cool deck, maybe. And I was like, exactly. Right? If they were doing something fun and interesting, great. But you're just playing a boring meta deck, and nothing against the opponent playing that deck. It's a good deck. You play it. But, like, it's just a deck we see all the time. So like there's there's no gain. So yeah, like people can concede. Just let them concede. They move on. You get to go into another game. They get to go into another game. Now, does it suck if you're the person playing the weird, fun, quirky, interesting deck and your opponent concedes? Yeah, that's that's pretty rough. Because your deck's already going to struggle to get to do the awesome thing. And then when it finally gets to do it, you don't even get to see it happen, right? That sucks. But outside of those scenarios, I don't think there's any... And your opponent's not obligated to sit there, by the way. Like... I made the decision to play the quirky, weird deck, right? It's not my opponent's obligation to sit there while I take like 15 actions to do <laughs> the dumb thing I'm trying to do, right? Like that's on me. So yeah, I like, yeah, being mad at people conceding is just a weird thing. I don't, I don't get it. Like it, there's no bad sportsmanship. There's no whatever. Like just let your opponents concede and move on. Like you got the win, thumbs up, good game. Let's have more fun. But all right, that's all I got on that, Brian. I'm going to hand this over to you. All right. Uh, looks like it's a, a bad year to be a Batgirl. First of all, we had the uh, kind of controversy in Gotham Knights where her we, they used the, reused the tired trope of a uh, superhero overcame a disability through sheer force of willpower, not realizing how how painful that is for people, you know, that can't just in real life suddenly learn to walk again through sheer willpower. They apologize for that. I was okay. Yeah, we had to redo that. There's extensive rehab. There's a lot of work. We, we get it. We, we screwed up. And now we find out there was uh, going to be a Batgirl movie. I think it's a good, well, either theater or HBO Max. They're not apparently going to release it at all. <laughs> they spent $90 million on it. It's apparently Almost finished. Warner Brothers just said, you know what? Ah, the hell with it. We're apparently not even going to put it out. That is mind-boggling. That you spent almost $100 million and just go, eh, we don't think it's going to work. I don't know how they how they determine that it's not going to work, considering some of the crap that's gotten to theaters with the DC slash Warner Brothers logo on it. Green Lantern, for example, got out <laughs> in theaters. Nobody looked at that and said, that's really bad. We shouldn't do this. Man, like, imagine spending $90 million and then just being like, nah, we're good, bro. Ezra like, Miller's movie is still coming out. And how many charges do they have pending on them? Oh, gosh. Who knows? Yeah. 
yeah, man, I don't know. I just this whole everything around Warner Brothers and the superheroes just like always bugs me. It's it's bad. It's just shockingly bad. God, like how? How? Because like, if you look at who has the most iconic superheroes, the ones that even for somebody like my wife that's never picked up a comic book, you know, that she wasn't <laughs> that she wasn't pushed out of her way because it's mine. She, somebody like that knows Superman, Wonder Woman. Actually, Wonder Woman's movie was was good. Well, Batman. the first one was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give you first one. But yeah, those, those movies crashed. They can't figure out how to get a Superman movie done right. Mind blowing. But here's the thing, right? Like, even with Wonder Woman, like you had one that I don't know if I know anybody who said that movie sucked. No, really. Right? Everybody liked it, and then you made a second one that really didn't feel like the first one at all. No, it did not. And I was like. You literally found a way to get it right. And then you were still like, but you know what? What if we did it really differently? And it's like, why? What are you doing? Like, and hell, not only that. And then randomly, I like, I don't know if they're just not vetting their actors or whatever. Because even even with Aquaman, right? You had, they managed to make Aquaman entertaining and beautiful and whatever. And now you have the whole Amber Heard thing hanging over you. So like well, that's I, mean, I don't guess they had any way to know that Johnny Depp was going to assault her. They really, no, you know. No. But I'm just saying, like, it's just like it's just a series of unfortunate events. It's just yeah. like it seems like every property they put up, like there's a thing, and it's just like, how is this constant? And then with Batman, the one thing they got right, they just keep going through Batman. I don't know. I don't even know what that's about. It's just like, oh, like man, Warner Brothers is killing. I keep telling people, like, I'm a big believer of like Warner Brother at some point needs to hire somebody that says, you know what we need to do? Let's just copy Marvel and put our superheroes in it because the nerds will watch it. And they're not well, wrong. And the thing about Batman is, you know, it's almost like James Bond. You, you really accept that they're going to keep making those. And because well, once you've cast Ben Affleck, you can only do that for three or four years. Ben, ben Affleck is probably what, 50 when they cast him. You know, that, that's not a forever solution. Sure. So once you abandon this version of the Justice League, you, I guess, basically had to start over because they appear to be abandoning this version. Of, unless, of course, you're going to do. You know, Dark Knight Returns or something. But we're not because we have the Ezra Miller Flash movie or whatever coming out still. Yeah. So even that doesn't make sense. Of course, since Ezra Miller, I'm assuming, can't be the Flash after this, they're going to end up scrapping that storyline, probably. You want to take bets on if that doesn't even get to theaters? (laughs) As of right now, they're still saying it's going to make theaters. Oh, man. That's why it's just frustrating that Batgirl starred Leslie Grace, who has done nothing wrong and is earning rave reviews for In the Heights and everything she's been in recently. It's like she's getting punished because, you know, Warner Brothers just can't figure out how to make movies. Yeah, that's just rough, man. That's rough. I I don't know what to say. I feel like every time we hear something out of Warner Brothers that involves their superhero stuff, it feels like there's just like a letdown. I'm going to say release the Batgirl. As I said on Twitter, I'm going to be like the Zack Snyder fans about this. Release Batgirl on at least HBO Max. Yeah, that, that's a good point. You at least have these streaming services. Like You could at least do that. You've already spent the money on it. Recoup, even if you just get half your money back, Like at least get something for it. And Michael Keaton is in this reprising role as Batman for the first time in 30 years. You're telling me people aren't going to watch that? That is kind of cool. 
<laughs> like I didn't know that, but that's kind of yeah. cool. Although apparently he let drop that he hasn't finished the DC Marvel or Marvel movie, I guess ever either since he was Batman. I'm assuming, even though he was in what I think two or three Marvel movies. I mean, I can't say I blame him. It's not like he's missing a lot. I mean, like we just talked about how good the Marvel movies are. How can you not? No, say no, no. I'm talking, I'm talking about like the DC movies. I thought you were wouldn't saying you, that. Oh. Wouldn't you at least watch the movies you were in? Just because you spent. Actually, you know what? There's a couple of actors that have said they actually don't watch even the movies that they're in. I think Denzel might be one of those, actually. It says he hasn't seen most of the movies he's he's starred in. Mind blowing to me. That's maybe that's why I'll never be at that level of actors. I would just I'd watch them all. I don't know. Yeah, you would think so. I I think he said something about like there's a couple he's seen because I guess he went to they did like a red carpet premiere or something. So I guess, you know, you, you sit through yeah, the movie with I'm people. Those. You would see those, surely. But, but outside of that, I think he was saying like, yeah, he just doesn't watch most of the stuff that he's in. I'm pretty sure it was Denzel that said that. Which is, I'm with you. It's just like, wow. Like, you've just never been concerned about like, what did I look like on screen? Or what was the, how did the well, chemistry I mean, come off with so-and-so? Or Denzel you know. knows what he looks like on screen. You or I'd be worried about what we look like. Denzel well, knows <laughs> what he looks like. <laughs> That's true. That's totally true. That's why. <laughs> that's why we're not Denzel, right? To there. be fair, though, like he's also done like some directing and other stuff, so it's possible yeah. he's he's set with directors and seen clips or whatever before the movies even get final assembled. So he probably doesn't care, honestly. And let's be real: when you got that kind of money for your career, you you probably don't care after a point. You already got your fifteen million or whatever. Like not just the money, but the accolades and the yeah. acclaim. Where he would be probably in you anybody's top five or certainly top ten of actors working. Yeah, you kind of mm-hmm. just go with it at that point. But yeah, My I don't favorite know, Denzel story is uh, you know they, this is when he was on Saint Elsewhere. And do you remember that Battle of the Network stars that they used to do, or your oh, favorite yeah, yeah, yeah. stars to play tug of war or dumb stuff? Yeah, Howie Mandel was on there. He's like, "Oh man, you you, you got to do this. They're going to pay us a hundred thousand dollars to play tug of war against you know the cast of I don't know some other whatever other hospital show was on." Denzel's like, "No, I'm not doing that." But it's a hundred thousand dollars for go. You go to Hawaii, you do a couple of days work, and Denzel's like, "I'm going to be a movie star." And movie stars do not do Battle of the Network stars. And of course. They thought they all thought he was crazy because at that point he wasn't a movie star. But then he went on to become Denzel Washington. And now it's a badass Denzel Washington story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it's it's one of those things, right? If you call your shot and you make it, it's awesome. If you call your shot and you miss, you look silly as hell. Right. But he called it's, it's, shot, it's the it's the Babe Ruth bat, right? Like you point yeah. to the outfield wall, and if you hit it, then it's a story. If you miss, it's like, ah, arrogant ass. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Oh man! And how he knew he wasn't going to be a movie star. So again, you got to have both. You know, <laughs> wherever you are in the industry, you got to be aware of it. That's true. Well, all right. How he's done very well for himself. He has. He has for several years, decades actually at this point. Yeah. But all right, let's talk about what fun stuff we learned this week because I think we have some pretty interesting stories to talk about this week. Speaking of things, you know, that uh, drums I've been beating for a long time now, as you've probably seen on our Alan Diver After YouTube channel, the Mexican pizza, the, the, the strange saga of the Mexican pizza. Taco Bell, probably, you know, it went away. Then me and millions of other people, like, what are you doing, Taco Bell? You've lost your freaking mind. Then they brought it back. 
and they apparently didn't buy enough supplies to continue making it. Sold out of all of them. It's been gone away, but it, now it's coming back, according to Taco Bell, in September. And they feel like, I guess, they've got enough tomatoes and olives and everything to where, hey, this time it's going to be for real. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a movie. This time it's for real. But yeah, but they claim it's coming back in September and it's here forever. You know so, what, though? So. I feel like somewhere along the line, somebody at Taco Bell was like, this could be our McRib. And then when you saw how fast it sold, they're like, you know, maybe we should just be selling these again. Yeah. Because <laughs> for real, I ain't going to lie. McDonald's dirty with the McRib. <laughs> like They know whatever. people are going to turn up for it twice a yeah. year or whatever. It like, starts trending immediately, so they know what they're doing. Yep. But the funny thing about stuff at Taco Bell a little bit different on the Mexican pizza, a little. But, like, they have the parts to make all the things you want. So, like, you walk up and you want, like, I want a double-decker taco or whatever. I'm like, oh, we don't sell those anymore. I'm like, but you have all the parts inside. Like, I actually watched somebody order two tacos and then just ask them if they could put cheese or beans between them. Well, with, with this one, they didn't. Because the last time I went to Taco Bell to get the Mexican pizza, they were completely out of lettuce and tomatoes. Because oh, yeah, the combo comes... Yeah, they, they, there had been a run at that point. Yeah, they just ran it, out of the stuff. Yeah, it sold seven times as well. They said as it did before. So, w- watch they're probably going to drop some other <laughs> some other menu items and see if they can get people to get hype about them. I don't know, man. I there's not too many on the menu that I would be hyped about if they left and then came back. I was trying to think like because I remember I I did eat a fair amount of Mexican pizzas. I ain't gonna lie, like. I, if I went to Taco Bell, I, at least every other trip, I'm, one of those items was probably going to be a Mexican pizza. But I like even like the Doritos tacos and things like that. I, I don't know. I, I've never I don't think I've ordered nearly as much until it was discontinued. I would say the Mexican pizza was probably my number one item that I ordered. Definitely me, obviously. Yeah, the, so uh, the, the current CEO said, you know, his dream item to bring back. You remember the big beefer? No. I guess that was their attempt at a hamburger or a hamburger-like product. And he joked, maybe we should bring uh, that back and said, and the board's like, we'll, we'll, we'll throw you out right now if you, if you try to bring back the big beef. Fair. <laughs> I, man, that reminds me. Like We were talking about McDonald's. I go, like, do you remember the Arch Deluxe? Vaguely. Well, I remember yeah. the name. What was in it? It was basically like their upscale burger, right? They They used, like, a special bun, and they had, like – like a higher quality bacon and all this other stuff they put on it. But I remember the ads being really weird. They were like, they used black and white ads and it was like kids looking mad because it was like an adult sandwich or something. And it was just like a weird way to market it. I remember that. It was so weird. You don't go to McDonald's for the upscale food. It's just. Yeah. And then the only other thing I remember McDonald's trying really was like the, what they call it? The, it had like the the cold and the hot parts of the burger were the big were DLT. I yeah. love that thing. They were packaged separate or had this little like styrofoam separator, so yeah. you could keep the hot, hot and the cold, cold till you got home, and then you just put them together or whatever. And that was like so much extra work that yeah. I, was, I was like, that just seemed like a weird idea. But the sandwiches were good, so you know. I think that was the, my first. Uh, what do you mean they don't have my favorite menu item anymore? Experience as a kid. It's oh really? Just, just me and ten other people loving the McDLT. Well, see, the Arch Deluxe came out when I was working at McDonald's, and I used to I'd like kill a few of those. I thought they were good. 
I just pulled up a picture of the big beefer, and yeah, it just looks disgusting. <laughs> it's <laughs> like Taco Bell quality meat on hamburger buns, and, and now, no. How do you even market that to somebody? Like, you know who could get away with the big beefer? Arby's. That's yeah. it. I don't think anybody else can put the big beefer on their menu and be cool with it. And like, because Arby's just straight up like we got the meat or whatever, you know. Like, but I have no recollection. And again, I'm somebody that loves Taco Bell. I have no recollection of the Big Beefer. It's like they they did the neuralizer. If we're so sorry, even I I reference Will Smith. I'm sorry, but yeah, it's like somebody just wiped my mind of the Big Beefer ever existing. Dude, the same. I've I've never heard of the. It sounds we. Oh, actually, not true. I know somebody else that could have the Big Beefer. Jack in the box. Yeah. Because Jack's a box, they will put any damn thing on that menu, for real. And I'll and I'll probably eat most of them. I ain't gonna lie. Right. But like, like, they can just put whatever on there, dude. The big beef. I just looked it up. The big beef looks like a mess. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Taco meat. Oh, taco <laughs> meat already falls out of whatever you're eating it in, and then you put it between hamburger buns. No. Yeah, like y'all no. for real. It's, this is you know what it is. It's like. It's like a Mexican sloppy Joe. Yeah, it literally it's like a sloppy Joe that they put like the the taco ingredients on. That's Ooh. all the big beefer is. It, it's like some of the stuff. How does it get out of the planning stages? Yeah, like you should. It, it's it's a fancy sloppy Joe. That's what it is. And I like me some sloppy Joes though. I I I just had some a couple weeks ago actually. Oh man. But yeah, Mexican pizzas, that's cool. I will probably be eating lots more. Matter of fact, the one near me that's only a couple minutes from me is actually, they've been getting renovations for the last like couple months. So they're about ready to be open. So I'm going to prepare myself for some Mexican pizzas. Right. Uh, all right. So here's a fun thing. I believe it was Ben Blyweiss on Twitter. Uh, he works over at Star City. But he had posted a thread about what are some fun like magic rumors or conspiracy theories that you've heard over the years. And somebody had posted that Chris Cox was trying to kill magic. So people would start playing D and D. And I asked a couple of other folks, cause I didn't want to just like, you know, get involved in the conversation and I, you know, whatever. So I asked a couple of folks and I'm like, Hey, have y'all ever heard this? Like, Oh yeah, I've heard a couple of people mention that or whatever. And I was like, wait, so the, and I was there when he came on board and I was like, not once have I heard this, but it doesn't like, this is what, again, we've talked about conspiracy theories before, but like, you got to have some level of like realistic logic or whatever here. Like he came from, okay. First off, Chris Cox came from other jobs that were also very well respected, well paid to take over that job. So nobody's going to give up another good paying job and and well-respected jobs to take that just to end up being the one that has on their resume that they killed off one of the ex most expensive nerd properties. Right? Like, that, like the founding father of collectible card games. Yeah, yeah. that would just be weird, right? Like that doesn't make sense. Like you would give and you make yourself virtually, I won't say unemployable, but like less employable, at least for the highest money in the higher positions. Because now you'd have it on your head that you wrecked this, like, effectively a money printer, you know, like, and you found a way to destroy it, right? Like, that would just not make sense, especially when you, even on top of that, when you see his trajectory 
of he did a bunch of crossovers with D&D stuff. He found he talked and came up with a bunch of new ways and approved a bunch of new ways, you know, from people within the company that wanted to try new things with magic. Like he obviously parlayed that into being the higher up over at Hasbro now. So like he leveled up and has one of the best jobs in the industry. So like, why would you like, literally this doesn't hold up to any level of scrutiny, even at least most conspiracies. I like to at least go, all right, I can kind of see where that would come from or whatever. But like, yeah, this one's a weird one. It makes zero sense because who would go like, oh, well, they killed my favorite card game. Let me go play Dungeons and Dragons. No, you're most likely move up shares to another popular card game. That would be like saying, well, you know what? They don't make PlayStations anymore. I guess I'm going to take up improv. <laughs> that's how ludicrous that sounds. It's I mean, that's a good point. I mean, like, you're not going to magically just try, like, I guess some percentage, but I imagine yeah, I even if that number is, I don't know, let's say it's a, a high as 15 or 20%, which no way it would be that high, but let's, let's say it is 15 or 20%. Like, you're just going to be responsible for losing that other 80% of the money. Right. That, that's such a terrible plan. Like, yeah, I don't. But this just goes to show you, like, people will believe all kinds of ridiculous stuff. Even where the logic doesn't hold at all. Like, even seeing the trajectory of people's career paths or whatever in this case, like, apparently doesn't change that for people. But I thought somebody was just messing around. No, this is actually a thing that people knew. That's, well... I guess after seeing people sitting in a Dealey Plaza waiting for JFK Jr. and Sr. to come back and reinstate Donald Trump as president, nothing shocks me anymore in terms of conspiracy Like, that one still blows me away. Like, I'm y'all are waiting on a ghost to save an election. Like, I don't, like, I got nothing. Multiple ghosts. JFK Sr. and Jr. both allegedly faking their deaths and coming back to reinstate Donald Trump. What? I'm just saying, <laughs> we ain't seen, if we ain't seen Elvis and we ain't seen Biggie and Tupac, we sure as hell ain't going to see them too. Right? Like, and I'm just talking a thousand people were there waiting for this. This wasn't, you know, nine or ten people like you would hope. This is better than a thousand people just milling around downtown Dallas waiting for dead Kennedys to show up. Oh, man. Speaking of, like, not to get too far off track, but gosh, if y'all don't know what's going on, y'all need to go watch the those transcripts from the January 6th hearings. Because, oh, it is a mess. It is a mess. I, I was following that up until last weekend. And, whoo, man. It's it's something. But anyway, we were talking about we do have some tough topics to cover this week. So why don't we get into those? So this week, the, man, this did this, this last is a week cheap sentence, I'm telling you. <laughs> it wants to make sure it gets heard. I don't know what to do about that. Um, This is a tough one, right? Because we talk a lot about how you know you see some things changing in the industry and you see people making efforts and it feels like sometimes you get some people in the system that just want to undermine the good being done and this is kind of one of those cases now i'm going to speak very carefully on this topic because it's a developing thing but for those of you who don't know gen con starts this weekend matter of fact starts well when you're listening to this actually and 
some people have already shown up in town or are going to be there, whether they're attendees or working or whatever. Well, apparently, somebody who, and and this has not been confirmed yet, but the understanding is it's either somebody who is part of or adjacent to the safety and operations team has taken it upon themselves to get a hold of, we'll call it communication information, whether that's text or phone numbers or whatever, to start harassing people. And it appears to be people of color. Now, that's probably the cleanest way I can say that with the information I have on hand. (laughs) So I, I know if that sounded weird, I'm sorry. I'm trying to be very specific with my words because I'm sure this is going to be developing over the next couple of days. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's, <laughs> But there is at least one person who's already made it public. And, man, I don't even know if I want to put her name. I mean, she put it on, on Twitter, so I guess it's fine. Uh, her name is Latia Jaquis, I believe is how you say her last name. And she posted some texts from 8.45, looks like Wednesday morning. Or no, actually, this would have been on Tuesday because it was on the 2nd. And it reads, this is Gen Con Security. I'm going to have to ask you to empty your purse and pockets. I've gotten reports of an uppity black woman stealing dice and cell phones. Uh, the show hadn't even started yet, to my knowledge. So, yeah, you know, it's like, wait a minute. Like, what's even going on? Right. So the person doesn't. So I don't know if it's automated or, you know, maybe they're planning on sending messages out to a bunch of people and they were testing a couple things to see if some messages went through, whatever. But it, it has some other things that follow that sound like that. I, they sound like bot automatic automated messages. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody was just testing a system because there's just pre it's like like, ma'am, please calm down, you know, whatever. And she's not responded to anything yet. So these look like messages that somebody is prepping for something, which is pretty wild that that was even going on. But now, apparently, she followed up or responded at some point and shared another message that says, I have everyone's number because I'm part of the safety team. Oopsie doodles. I guess your con isn't as secure as you weaklings would want it. You'll never find me 1488, uh, but I'll be here all week. Which, for those you don't know, Nazi symbolism and all that in the 1488, blah, blah, blah. Right? Feel, feel free to Google it. It'll come up. So, it could be somebody just goofing around. Maybe somebody who's just taking it upon themselves to harass her. But, but it's still scary. Yeah. That that's even a thing because yeah. they clearly, you know, have have realized that this is a black woman's account that they're targeting. Oh, they for sure. She's going to Gen Con. I mean, it's. Yeah. And to be fair, I don't think this is a Gen Con problem. You know, I don't think this is something that anybody at Gen Con endorses, supports, whatever. And people are looking into it already. So it's not like they're taking it lightly. But there are people And this is what we like to point out. There are still people in the industry that don't want things to change. 
Hell, we we talked about it last week, right? With the whatever, the Star Frontiers or whatever, right? Like these people just exist and it sucks. But this woman is or person, I should say, because I don't know how they did identify, but like this this person is going to now have to be on high alert until they're told that, you know, they've found the person or dealt with the person or whatever. Hell, this point, I would think anybody of color or anybody, you know, planning on going to Jinka would be unnerved about that. I, I'm not going to be there this year, but I would be unnerved to be going knowing that something like that is happening. I think for me personally, I have seen and dealt with enough that I, and, and this sounds awful, but I think I expect it on some level. So I think I already just operate like that and it wouldn't have been that weird to me. But if you aren't experienced dealing with all that on a regular basis, it's probably pretty unnerving. And and you're talking about people that like you can't just not go now, right? Like you've already hell, yeah. you have a non-refundable deposit at this point on probably a thousand dollars worth of hotel rooms. Right. Probably you probably spent, I'm guessing, four hundred-ish dollars or more on a plane ticket. You know, you may have bought event tickets and stuff already, too. You know, if you signed up for stuff. So, like, people just shouldn't have to worry about this type of stuff. And it sucks because I do think the industry has made a lot of positive moves in trying to change things and, you know, put the right people in charge and whatever. But you have knuckleheads like this. And like I said, whether they're truly part of the thing they could just be somebody who who knows hacked the system got a hold of some names and numbers or whatever and claiming to be part of the system like there's a lot that has to still be dug into on it but the fact that it's even a thing is terrible but i at least wanted to put it out there so people knew that hey this is a thing that still happens right because a lot of people say like well i never see it and everyone knows goes on so like so we're, we're giving you some receipts yeah you know, like, here you go. I'll imagine somebody that's white that doesn't ever see the racist emails. What a shot. But you know what? We, we've talked about that before. When I talk to, like, my Indian friends or Asian friends or when we talk to women or whatever, like, they'll mention something. And I'm like, ah, I never thought about that. Right? Yeah, I, I never see that or whatever. Right. Because you just don't see the other parts of society that other people have to deal with because it's not targeted at you. You know, you, and if you don't have enough people in your social circles that, identify or represent or whatever these other groups you're just never gonna see it or hear about it so i get it it sounds weird you know like if somebody's walking around claiming oh well i heard this thing happen at gen con or whatever and you're like nah gen con was fine i went to all these events i hung out with people we went to dinners it was great you know like you might never even know this was a story but i guarantee you there's a bunch of people of color that are going that already know it's a story (laughs) right because now you you gotta wonder. So yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one. I don't know. Like, and like I said, I've dealt with it enough. I know it exists. You know, and I don't and I don't think. And I get some people will say like their industry's worse or what. I don't think any. I mean, there are some that are maybe a little worse, but I don't think it's about a particular industry or group or whatever. In this case, it's just about society. And unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it, like. Our group is a segment of society, you know, as gamers. So we're going to have some of those bad actors in the group. And unfortunately, when there are positive things happening and even on a fun weekend like Gen Con, 
you can have some people like this undermining the whole experience for people. So, yeah, it's tiresome. It, it, it's frustrating. I mean, to the people that it's happening to, it can be frightening. It's just, but as you said, for people that don't think this happens, this is why, and we'll, there'll be a little more on similar subjects later. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I would like to hopefully do a follow up on this next week if more comes out. But I would assume a lot of it's going to be kept secret or be on a like, if you know, this is not a public type situation. But we'll see if there's more to share that comes up. I'll I'll gladly share it with people. But yeah, it's it's, it's sad. I mean, I'm not going to Gen Con this year. So, you know, I, I'm kind of. It's sad. I shouldn't be happy that I'm not going to Gen Con. Right? You know, now that I'm saying it out loud. Yeah, you should be disappointed that you don't get to go. Yeah, I I shouldn't (laughs) feel good about that right now. But it's weird that it's making me feel better about not going. And that, that tells me for sure that it's wrong. You know what I mean? All right. So let's talk a little bit about casual versus competitive. In a lot of things, but I think we see it most commonly in casual commander versus competitive commander or CEDH, as people like to say. I don't think this is as big of a issue as people think it is. Right. I I think it's a fun bit of discourse and I think it gives people something to talk about and it creates engagement. But I don't think this is a real topic. And, and and, And you've played a lot of games, too, so you can probably speak to this. But like. I was thinking back to even when we played different video games or different card games or board games or whatever we've been into, like the casual players almost don't even know anything that goes on at the competitive level. And the competitive players, what reason is for, is there for them to know there, there basically is no reason unless they just happen to enjoy watching, you know, competitive play or something for sure. And the other part of that is the competitive players generally only surround themselves with other, or at least other tryhards, you know, for the most part. So they're not engaging with the casual players anyway. Now, there are the ridiculous tryhards in the middle, right? Like the, they're trying to be better than everybody. So they got to belittle somebody so they can look better than they are, whatever, right? We know those people exist in all types of competitive stuff. But outside of those people, and those people are mostly online, to be honest. Like you don't see, but I, t- I was thinking about it, right? If I go visit stores or whatever, like I'm not seeing any of these interactions or any of this discourse. Hell, I went to two command fests in the last, what, five weeks or so. And not once was somebody yelling at somebody else. Not once was somebody angry because somebody only had a certain level deck or whatever. What happened? <laughs> what me. happened every time is people would ask like, Hey, what, type of power level do you like playing at magic or what type of games you like playing and they would normally lay out a couple of choices they had with them or whatever and be like okay i could play this one that's cool or they would say ah i'm looking for more competitive games but thanks anyway and then they'd walk off and go find a more competitive game like that was literally it nobody raised their voice nobody insulted anyone like nothing and you're talking about at events with literally thousands of commander players it's just not a thing it's truly not like I can't I don't, like Brian. Can you even think of the last thing where like outside of, again, the vocal minority on Twitter where you actually saw like competitive or and or casual players being mad at each other? 
No, I, I honestly can't because, like you said, they're usually these are often people. These are all people playing in two different, you know, two different groups, kinda. It's especially if anything you play competitive, it gets hard to to find time to play other forms of it. Yeah, that's also true. And that's card games, video games, like anything you're trying to play competitively. It can, it's just a huge time consuming process. You a lot of times don't even have time to get caught up in the drama. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, too. I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective. But yeah, that that totally makes sense. But yeah, I didn't bring it up because I've had some people ask me like, well, how much did you see of this or whatever? And and the bad part is, I think the people, especially people who started playing more actively during COVID, haven't had the opportunity to go to a local store or an event or whatever yet. Right. So they're asking me about my experiences at the Command Fest or whatever, because they're like, well, I only play Commander this way. I don't want to be the person everybody's mad at or whatever. And explaining to them that like nobody cares <laughs> like literally just show up and play what you want to play. As long as you explain that to the other person, you're good. And they'll either tell you like, cool, I have a deck that's compatible or I don't have a deck that's compatible. And then you can just make your decision based on that. And there was literally like, I can tell you, I played between each. I probably played. Oh gosh, it had to have been 50 games of commander or something between those two events. It was a lot, but I think I had a single game even where somebody played a deck that probably wasn't the appropriate power level for the table. And it wasn't even like the most miserable experience. It just wasn't as good as it could have been for everybody at the table. Right. But that's literally one out of all the players I sat down and played games with. So like, it's just not a thing. And and you're talking about events. They also had competitive areas. So if you want to find competitive players to play against, and then they had casual players. So those players were in the room and those situations could happen, but they just never did. So, yeah, I, I got to say, like, this whole thing, we got to stop caring about competitive versus casual or whatever. Like, they can both exist in the same world. Like, and we talked about this off air, but one of the things that comes up for me is I've told people, like, there's some games I wish there was an easy mode just so I could download or buy a used copy and then just, like, play through it for the sake of the story or whatever. But taking a game like Elden Ring that I know is already like difficult, you know, I'm not going to take the time to learn all the stuff to be great at it, to be able to go through it. So I'm just not going to bother. But if you gave me an easy mode, I might at least be able to knock that out in a couple of weeks in my free time or whatever. And it could be kind of fun. But when I brought that up to players, they were like, oh, well, you just need to get good. I don't know why you want games to have a baby mode and blah, blah. And I'm like, but why does somebody else's experience have anything to do with your experience? Like, if your experience doesn't change at all, then who cares if somebody else gets to experience your thing? Right now, I'm doing, for me, I only want it out of convenience or whatever, right? But there are some people who might have physical disabilities for one reason or another, and having easier modes would make the games more fun for them, or at least accessible to be played. Because you never, I mean, who knows? They might not have certain appendages or they might have reflex issues or have whatever that they just may not be able to play on the hardest modes. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, I, I, and like you brought up, maybe this is just a weird gatekeepy thing. And maybe that's it. I don't know. But it just yeah. seems weird. And again, as we, as we keep saying, st- stop gatekeeping. There's no, per- it's not about it. Everybody's a real gamer. <laughs> it just doesn't matter what you're playing. 
Yeah. You can tell me it's somebody that, you know, is playing Candy Crush for how for 200 levels or whatever. There's in some way less of a gamer than you for playing Elden Ring. No, that, that's ridiculous. It makes no sense. Man, them higher levels of Candy Crush are a son of a bitch, too. I ain't even going to play. I, I played a little Candy Crush back yeah. in the day. <laughs> like, once you get over like 100, it starts getting serious in that game. <laughs> right. But, but yeah, like it's it, it, it bothers me, you know, to when I start realizing that there are players in multiple games out there that are afraid to engage because they basically believe the way, whether that's casual or competitive, they believe the way they engage is going to be looked down on if they go into one of those other social circles or whatever. And that sucks because now you have people that are afraid to engage with the communities because they think they might be the villain for enjoying something. And as a community and as players, we're not getting the chance to have those people as part of our communities. It's it's just it's so sad because remember, you know, when we were growing up, there weren't nearly as many people that were comfortable being openly into video games, comic books, you know, miniature games, roll D and D, you know, all those things. Now it's it's you know it's so mainstream. It's so front and center, and yet people are still wanting to treat people the, the way so many of us got treated as kids for having, you know, odd hobbies. Why well, yeah, now, you, but it why went from you, like we like nobody even plays our thing or understands our thing to now that people do. It's like, oh, okay, well now they don't do it our way. Yeah, you know, and it's just like this is just the next level. Like, quit. Like, we won. Like, like, you know right? what I mean? Like, we we were the nerds that were shunned, and people didn't want to. You know, you had your own table where y'all were playing D D at lunch or whatever. Yeah. You know, like you, you're after school in your little club playing magic or whatever, right? Like, you won. Like, we got all the movies, we got all the pop culture, we got all the t shirts. Like, we like, yeah. like you should be. This is celebration time. This ain't the time to be mad. Like, right. I don't even know how long this is gonna last, but right now it's great. The fact that we can look at any yearly slate of movies and know you're going to have at least like eight or nine comic book movies. There's probably going to be a couple things with big robots, maybe an anime adaptation or something, you know, like maybe a couple of your childhood things, some Ninja Turtles or something or like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Yeah, like we got it all. Hell, we're getting a new D&D movie in a couple of weeks. Right. Looks decent. Yeah. I'm like, what is there to be mad about? Welcome, everybody. Everybody who wants, as long as you are a good, upstanding member of the community, come and play games however you want to play them. I don't give a damn. Seriously, it's such a weird thing to be upset about. Like, I can't remember the last time I was upset. Now, I might look at some people and think like, man, you might be a little over competitive, but that's more about your attitude than the way you're playing the game. (laughs) But yeah, I just let it roll. I don't really understand. But I just figured it was worth bringing up for people who maybe still have it in their head that that's a real thing. It is not a thing. There are plenty of people that engage with the game the way you enjoy to play it. And the people that don't, don't mind that you're doing the other thing. They just don't. And randomly, because we mentioned it, I guess two shows ago, Willow is getting a TV series. Speaking of nerdy things coming back, yeah, I like it was funny because somebody had mentioned it on Twitter and I was they were like, oh, you must be excited that Willow's getting a TV series. And I was like, what? 
<laughs> and I looked it up, and sure enough, a TV series is coming. On I Disney think Plus. I mentioned it on the podcast when you were talking about why is Willow and why was there no sequel. Yeah, so there we go. Willow, a whole TV series. It's Disney supposedly... bringing back everything that you kind of liked as a kid, which when you have a streaming service, I think is the stuff you have to do. And credit to Disney, they got it perfectly timed. It's going to be like the week after Thanksgiving. So they know you're going to be right before the holiday break. You're going to get people sitting at home. They're going to binge watch some shows. It's just like dirty play, but smart move. <laughs> like I, I think they dropped, I want to say it was, I know they dropped some Marvel show last year around the same time. So yeah, they know what they're doing. Yep. Now, the one thing I will say, they are bringing back the original Willow. Now, I don't know what his role is, if he's going to be like an elder in the town or whatever. Like, I don't know. But like uh, Warwick Davis, I think is a dude's name. But like he he's coming back as and he's getting one of the upper credits. So I guess he's going to be like an active part of the series. Well, so, I mean, Warwick Davis is a goat because not only was he Willow, he's Leprechaun. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so that's he's, why I know his name. Yeah. 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 OK. So, yeah, I don't know. It it looks like it might be decent. Like, I kind of want to hate on it, but it might be all right. Even <laughs> Ray, I mean, Warwick Davis is, you know. <laughs> it's a little weird because it's like 30 years after the fact. But, hey, if you're able to get your hands on a couple of the original actors and they still want to do it, yeah. you know. Have they I, said if, well, like, the same thing about Val Kilmer, although I don't know how they would do it because Val Kilmer really can't. Let's say maybe they say he's had some kind of an injury or something to his throat because he can't really speak anymore. Yeah, no, Val Kilmer's not on the list. So. Okay. Yeah, that was he the might, other one he, I was looking for. He might have a cameo or something. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Or some set up some type of flashback sort of thing or whatever. Yeah, but yeah that's unfortunate, though. But yeah, if you're if you're wondering, if you're a fan of Willow, there you go. It's supposed to, I believe, premiere on November 30th this year on Disney+. Plus. So if you got access, check it out. It actually looks reasonable. We're going to we're getting some some good fantasy nerd products, man. Like, we're going to have a hard time being mad this holiday season. Well, yeah, the Comic-Con trailers were just, I mean, so much of, oh, my God, the bring it that. But, like, you talk about the D&D movie, Willow series, Black Panther were just, I mean, I, I was tearing up when I saw that Black Panther trailer. You know, it's just. For real, dude. Man. Like, this this next 12 months is going to be fire. For yeah, real. and then there was, you know, 15 other things we didn't even got time to get into. It was There was so much good stuff at Comic-Con. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Black Panther, though, because that leads us to our next subject. Now there's a new group that it sounds like they're community-driven for the most part that goes by Melanin Gamers. And this is kind of a very interesting thing. Uh, it sounds like their whole goal is to basically help reduce racism in gaming. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's very it like, OK, so they're quoted as saying, like, we created Melanin Gamers with the belief that video games are for everyone to enjoy. Unfortunately, problematic gamers hurl endless verbal abuse toward people of color like myself and my brothers. The goal of the watch, which is like their group within uh, Millennium Game uh, Melanin Gamers, is to raise awareness about the racism that occurs in online multiplayer games and call on our allies to help make meaningful change for generations of gamers to come. And, you know, you, you've talked about that before. Like, well, honestly, I, I've, it's the whole reason I don't play League of Legends anymore, right? There's just so much of it. And I literally got to the point where 
um, I would say right around 50% or more of my games, I was having to waste time submitting a report, you know, and it's just like, if it's that bad and I'm having to waste this much time every time I play, like, I'm just not interested. You know, you've, you've had clips and stuff whenever that's happened, you playing Overwatch, you know, so in, in many cases, the same, same couple of people. So, you know, apparently no action has been taken in a lot of cases. Yeah, that's the upsetting part the most, right? Like, I accept that bad guys are going to do bad guy things. But when your systems don't deal with the bad guys, when they're identified, that's when I have a problem. You know, same thing I said about my store. Like, I expect people are going to want to try to shoplift or break in or steal from me or whatever. But, like, if I give you all the proof of who the person is and I have, like, their ID, we have them on camera, whatever, and then you don't act on it, now I'm pissed. You know, and that's sort of the same thing here. Right. If you've you're playing Overwatch, right? And a person's racial slur every third word or whatever, and you're like, okay, cool. It was this game we just played. It was this person, whatever. They can literally just go check that. But then they're like, uh, oh, we'll give them like a 24 hour ban or whatever. And then you run into them two days later when you're on, you're like, again? You know, like this same dude. And then he assumes you're one of the people. So now he's just gonna double down on what he did last time. And just like, uh, like, come on, man. So it's pretty cool. Uh, I will say this. They also included a five point checklist for game developers. And this is what they believe helps them work toward anti-racism in their game. So their checklist is one, have your company meet with melanin gamers to discuss the rampant racism in whatever game and discuss solutions for real change. So if you're not sure, you can reach out. And we can point out a bunch of things that people within their community say, we play this game. We have these problems. Here's some ideas we have. Two is restore faith in the reporting system by providing transparent updates for each user report. That is huge because there's a bunch that you don't even get like the form letter back. You have no idea if anybody's even seen your message. Yeah, a lot of them will tell you up front, we don't respond to these in person, but thanks for letting us know. Yeah, but even if it was just like a ding saying like, hey, you get a notification tomorrow saying like, hey, this at least came across somebody's screen or whatever, you know, like one of our people at least read this and checked on it. Like, I don't need a full response, but at least to know that somebody's acknowledging that, okay, we saw that this person was a problem, right? Because I get it even if the first time that person doesn't get like hammered, even though there should be something, but like if you see that you've submitted on somebody for a third time or a fourth time and somebody's reading it and acknowledging it, but nothing's happening to them, that's a problem. But if you don't ever know if that person's being dealt with or not, or somebody's even seen your report, then you don't know if you're even wasting your time or not. Cause you keep seeing that person back in the game, you know? So that's part of it. Uh, three is enforce appropriate punishments for racist in-game abuse, which is exactly what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Like you, you've got to have longer bannings or just outright, you know, boots from the program entirely. Four is engage with BIPOC and, you know, black indigenous people of color gamer communities regularly to identify emerging issues and work towards effective solutions. I think that's a big thing too, right? Because now you have this group like Melanin Gamers, you've got like black girl gamers, you know, there's there's other groups out there. The The cookout is a group, right? That if they all exist, like just have somebody who at least reaches out to them and says like, hey, have y'all seen anything that's popped up lately? Are there any new trendy racial slurs that people are trying to use to get around our systems that we need to add to the things or whatever, right? 
Because you see a lot of that stuff out there. Yeah. One of the best punishments that I've seen, and I can't remember, I think a couple of games have started doing it now. Where they, when, when your account gets marked so many times for, you know, trollish or racist behavior, there was a special server where they basically, <laughs> they, they, they put you out in the Valley of the Trolls. <laughs> where you just put all the horrible people on the same server so they can just yell slurs and then and be terrible to each other. You know what? I, w- I would accept that as a like first level suspension, right? Like we're not, we're not going to boot you from the game yet, but we're going to give you a 72 hour suspension, but you can only play on these servers. And then you come back and we're like, okay, now we're just going to give you a five day or a seven day or whatever, but you're just not in the game at all. And then after that, it's like, okay, now you've gotten three strikes and we got to have a real conversation yeah. if we even want you around at all. You know, but yeah, there's got to be something because there's always new stuff, new trends, you know, things that we see, you know, that other people just may not till it's already like really prevalent. So I think being able to head that off as it starts could be a thing, you know, because there's there's been racial equivalents of, you know, let's go, Brandon. Yeah. You know, that have been out there. So having somebody or some groups that can help you identify that is a smart move. And then number five on their list, and the final thing is increase accountability for game developers and create an obligation to share tangible goals, targets, and roadmaps to combat in-game racism. Uh, that one's a bit more difficult. You know, I think it's still possible, but unfortunately, sometimes those things are also wrapped in language or presentations or whatever that also accompany other company stuff. So I think that's a little harder for get companies on board, but I think there's still room for something of just having accountability. You know, just, okay, if this is your job to deal with this, you know, behavior or whatever, and we keep seeing a lot of the same things, like, okay, well, what is your team doing? Right? Your your job here is to make sure the community is safe, but we keep seeing the same names pop up. And a lot of times, people are screenshotting stuff, so there's receipts. You know, like, look, I saw this guy on the 1st, I saw him on the 10th, I saw him on the 15th, I saw him on the 20th, right? And I reported each time, and here's yeah. the behavior, right? So you somebody should have to answer for that, right? Because, again, you end up in a situation like I did where I literally just decide I'm not playing the game anymore, right? So the long-term ramifications is how many millions of dollars, or hell, in the case of Riot or something like potentially billions, are you not getting because some level of players over the course of a decade and a half or whatever have decided to not engage with your product? Right. That's a lot. Cause I mean, I'll, cause dude, if I was in guarantee you every skin that was cool for like my three or four main characters I play guarantee I was going to buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would probably be telling my community about it. I'd probably be streaming more often, you know, league of legends and playing with people. Right. So there's a lot that comes from that that you're not getting because so now don't be wrong. I'm not saying like I'm the most important person to have, but there's other people like me that I've spoken to and have just said, Yeah, I don't bother with that game anymore. And they'll start to say something like, I get it. I dealt with the same thing. Right. It's the same story from every person. So you need somebody accountable for that to say, like, hey, we're all not playing for this reason because these people didn't get dealt with or my experience was perpetually this. So like, what is your team doing to solve this? So I think that would be a smart move or even just to include it in your quarterly stats of like, you know, we booted players for this many of this issue and then you just break it down in a graph or something. Like, wouldn't be a huge deal, but just enough to show that you are doing something to give 
the players in the community some level of reassurance that you're at least dealing with the problem. Because right now, I think there's, like we talked about, with no, like you said, you know, there's not even a response of any kind. We don't know if anything's being even seen, much less dealt with. So, yeah, that that's a tough, tough bit. But, yeah, it's cool that this group exists. It's a neat thing. Uh, I don't know when they were formed. That was the thing I couldn't find. But it looks like they're fairly new. Because, I mean, anything I could find about it is within the last couple of weeks. So, good for them, though. I hope it works out. And, you know, changes things for the industry. Yeah, I definitely will uh, send them some of my clips. You absolutely should. Give them some ammo, for sure. But that brings us to the dinner table. Where I've had a very interesting thing happening. And I think it's mostly because I've recently talked about, like, hey, I'm about to hit 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. I'm I'm probably about somewhere between three and four weeks away, I think, by my math. Assuming, you know, no catastrophe and everything stays the way it's going. And, you know, that that's pretty damn strong for two and a half years over on YouTube. But I've had people say like, well, you know, how did you get past the algorithm? And, you know, I don't know how you did it because YouTube doesn't ever like you know, support new people or whatever. Hell, I've even had people assume that I got a push because I'm black because YouTube was trying to do some, I don't know, like, I don't even know what you call it, like some equal opportunity thing or something. Like, I don't know. And that just got me thinking, right? Like, there's too many people, I think, that are just trying to blame invisible systems, which, which to be fair, we again, we see it as business people. I've talked about it before. People would rather blame some issue other than themselves for not being good at running a business. Like We talked about how the pandemic was that for a lot of people. Yeah, it's, it's the excuse a lot of people, and I get it. That's, that's just the way it is. But as I've dove into these conversations, there inevitably will be somebody who says, oh, well, I know play creators that have been busting their butts for like three years doing everything right or five years doing everything right and just never get a push. And I asked every one of them, oh, okay, cool. Can you show me their like page or their channel so I can check them out? And nobody has that person. Nobody has a link. Nobody even has a thing to a video. And I keep telling them, like, if you show me that, I can show you the ways that person isn't succeeding and why. Right? But you can't sit here and say these recommendation systems never give you a push or never do a thing when people are finding ways to make it Literally every day. I mean, hell, your family started a channel a couple years ago in a space that's full of family vlogs. But not only are y'all succeeding, y'all are getting sponsorship and partnership deals now. Right. People are sending us uh, massage items and and other things. Things are happening, right? Like, so people can't say it's not possible. I mean, we've talked about it before where when I started... I had laid out a plan. I had these ideas. You know, I was leveraging stuff I knew from the industry and whatever. And I did my research on everything. And I realized most gamers make bad content. But like all that. And when I tried to explain it to people like, "Ah, I don't know, I think it's just too crowded. Ah, This person I know failed. And, you know, "Ah, you're not going to get any support or whatever it was. And then now they're like, I don't know how you did it. You know, like you got lucky because it never shared. I'm like, no. 
I literally have just busted my butt for two and a half years doing the right things. And I think a lot of people don't want to take the time to understand that each website has effectively its own language, for lack of a better explanation, right? There are certain behaviors that they are encouraging, that they want, that help them make money. And if you play the game the way they want, it works. But I, matter of fact, I watched a presentation earlier today from Facebook, from Facebook Gaming. And they at one point during their thing, they had to explain to some people that like, we are not Twitch, right? The way things work on Twitch are not the way things work on Facebook gaming. It's not the same thing, right? Because they were saying like, hey, our whole thing is about people scrolling through our app and the notifications that pop up and the systems are looking for certain things to recommend and blah, blah, whatever, right? Whereas Twitch is like, people show up, they hang out, they'll pick a game, they'll scroll through however many they're going to scroll through, they usually stop halfway down the page. Nobody goes all the way to the bottom, really. But, you know, they're, they're going to look for games or people they want to watch a different way, right? The platforms don't work the same. And the same thing on YouTube. YouTube does even more work to find the right viewer for you. But you have to feed it information so it knows who to go find. Which brings me to my other point. Is that there are too many people that think magically after they get their somewhere between their fifth and 10th video that they should just blow up. And like the reality is your stuff still sucks at that point. Hell, my stuff still sucks. If you look at my stuff, even from a year ago, much less two years ago, it looks like garbage compared to what I do now. Like that's just the reality. Most of the people like real talk. Like if you're just not having success, instead of just assuming, Hey, I'm doing everything right. Why is my stuff not taking off? Why don't you ask like, hey, what should I be doing differently? Because this isn't working. Especially when you see other people succeeding and then you want to just like have an excuse for everything they're telling you. Like and I've literally had that exchange on Twitter where I'm like, well, you know, if you did this, this would probably help. like, ah, nah, that doesn't matter because I should be doing whatever. But it's like, OK, well, I tried to help. Like, oh, my thumbnails are really good. I don't know why everybody clicks. And I click on a video and it's like, oh, because your intro is crap and I don't even want to sit through the first 30 seconds. Like, there's a lot of things. And I can tell you, even recently, I've changed two or three things in the way I do my content over the last probably month. And I was already doing decent. You know, so it's just tough to see all these people. And, and, and I think part of this spawns from, like, I do enjoy helping people and making these better. But then, like, when I see people just saying that, it's like, you're just not even giving yourself a fighting chance. And, and let me explain something, too, for people. And maybe we've talked about this before, but I at least want to say it here. That the recommendation systems need information to work. That's how AI and how algorithms work. So, and I'm going to use YouTube as an example, because that's one I've been spending most of the time with recently. But if I put up a video, brand new, I have a fresh channel, right? I put a video up. At that point, YouTube literally knows nothing about me or my channel at best it knows how i've used youtube and it may try to insinuate who my audience could potentially be based on my behavior but that's a very long shot right so a couple of people might get recommended as it just like throws it in front of a couple of folks to see if somebody might watch it but then you make that second video that third video and it's like okay now 
we're starting to see a little bit about the channel, right? We start to know what subject you're talking about. Maybe if you're niching down to a particular thing, and like, you know, for Magic, I do a lot of standard content, right? So it starts to know, okay, if people are using certain keywords, here's a thing. Some certain words have appeared multiple times in my videos, a couple times in my descriptions. Okay, now it's starting to get a little bit of a thing. And then maybe after that fifth or sixth video, now I've gotten a few views on each one. It might only be 10, might be 20, might be 50, right? But I'm getting a few views. So now it starts to understand okay, this is the type of person that likes this channel. Okay, now next video, it can try to put it out in front of a couple of people. And then once you get that next wave, so now let's say you've got 15 or 20 videos. Now, not as only just looking for people that likes your content, it starts being able to connect the dots of, okay, people that have watched this also watch, in our case, it would probably be like NFL, right? So now, okay, let's see if we can find people who play Magic and like watching football or whatever. And then it might even sample and say, you know what? Maybe it's not just NFL. Maybe it's the USFL. Maybe it's the XSFL, whatever. Maybe it's college football, right? They might sample a couple of things. But then if it gets hits or not, and it goes, okay, well, what else do people like that are watching this? Like, oh, they also happen to be wrestling fans. Oh, and the people who created this, they have wrestling stuff in their history. All right, so maybe we'll go see if we find some people like wrestling and football, and maybe they also like magic or whatever, right? So then you start seeing like the snowball effect. But the problem is a bunch of people are making videos about 10 different things and you're confusing the information and whatever and you're just doing a lot of stuff wrong but to see people sit and say like oh well, the algorithms don't let anybody they only care about big channels blah blah like it's just not true i'm literally in discords where i'm helping people and like we're seeing people have success once they have stuff explained and figure stuff out or whatever like it's a thing but to watch people just struggle and then complain it's just like no your stuff's not good boo come on <laughs> like and i like i think i talked about a couple weeks ago where i saw somebody on one of roberto blake's threads talking about how like she couldn't get ahead and she doesn't understand why she's not getting reach i went and clicked on her channel and like before i even did anything like garbage thumbnails i was like no chance literally i literally it's like i didn't even have to click on a video yet it didn't matter she could have the most beautiful videos in the world thumbnails and titles were garbage and it's just like you didn't you didn't give yourself a fighting chance and that's the reality. Like people just want to throw stuff up and expect people are going to come. And I get it because if you're watching Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and you see all the people around you that you follow having success and you see these people with 15, 20, 100,000 followers, whatever, all their videos, like the low end of their videos are getting three, 4,000 views or whatever. You're like, oh, this must be the jam, right? This is where I'm going to get in and whatever. And then you never had that. It starts to suck. And you start thinking like, how can how come mine aren't hitting? How come I'm not getting the stuff? It's just, and that's where you start being able to tell yourself, ah, it's too crowded. That's probably why all these people are already getting all the views or whatever, right? Uh, people just probably aren't that interested. They're burnout. It's oversaturated. Like, but it's not that. It's just not that. And it's just one of those things. And I know Brian, like you've seen stuff grow over time as well, so you get it, right? So like. What would you tell somebody, right, if they're in that mindset, especially coming from like you basically have two new channels that you you were growing during the pandemic? Um, I mean, I think you got to figure out what makes you different than, you know, the other 200 people doing kind of the same content in the same genre or the same, you know, category. Yeah, I, that's fair. Because that is the other issue. And, and I think we've mentioned that before, too. If you're... If your goal is just to get on and do something else exactly like somebody else does, 
which I kind of get because your first thought is they have success with this. I'm going to copy that. Yeah, but, but they have, you know, they, they got a Mr. Beast already. They got a, you know, for our fa- for terms of like family channels, you would say uh, there, there there is a Meech and Monica already. There's an Ace Family already. They don't really need another one. Yeah, you got to figure exactly- out what is what is your niche. Like for me, like a lot of it is sports and sports related type stuff and various, you know, like especially like trying to hunt down different cards, different players. Well, the other thing, too, is understanding that some of these people you're comparing yourself to as a creator, they've been doing this for a while. Right. Like, they can get away with doing certain things because they've built up a personality, a history, a community. Right. It's Markiplier, certain, certain numeric thresholds. They don't send you backward. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, if Markiplier or, or Mr. Beast or whatever, not to be crude, but if they were just pooping and recording themselves on the toilet, they're going to get a million views. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. Like, I mean, their audience, like Mr. Beast just crossed 100 million subscribers. He's the second fastest person, I believe, to hit 100 million subscribers on YouTube. Right. So he can do whatever. Right. So you can't really use his examples and say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get a bunch of views. Like people don't understand. Mr. Beast, I believe he made his first video in 2011. And then, a matter of fact, that channel he ended up killing, and he started another one. I think he said in like 2013 or 2014. And then it took until about 2017, 2018 before he started taking off. So this dude had put in six, seven, eight years. Yeah. Before he started seeing real success, right? And I'm not even talking about like I'm gonna make a few bucks here. He was at like maybe get a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks a month from YouTube level for a while before he really started taking off. So. Even he'll tell you, like, he learned a lot. He was grinding all the time. He was talking to people about it. So, like, it's it's just not what you think it is. Like, it's just not that easy. And if you're just copying these other people, I agree with you, right? It's like, why do they need another one, right? You got to bring something different to the table. And the, the biggest thing I would tell people is, other than just trying to make money, understand your why, right? Like, what is... And that's going to guide a lot of your stuff. That'll be your North Star most of the time. It's like, why am I making this video? Why am I making this type of content? Who do I expect to watch it? You know, like that helps guide so much. Even for me, like I am very intentional about everything in my videos. Like I'll even, okay, this messed somebody up when I told them about it last week. I was, I did an interview with somebody on a podcast and I explained to them like, I even because I started doing a, a bit of a motion drop down in the middle of my videos. I just like drop into my seat, engage people, whatever. Right. And that's po- mostly so if it clicks to a new video, you're getting a bit of motion right there. So I get your attention. Right. And it's just something I started doing that I got the idea from somebody else. But what I realize is. I'm going to start wearing my branded material because the first thing you see is my shirt. So yeah. I'm using that as ad space, basically. So if I have a new piece of merch. It's going to be in that first one second when you see it on the video, right? And I'm not saying you have to be that deliberate, but like I literally look for all those opportunities for every little thing because I'm already there. I'm already putting it there. What can I do with this one and a half second window I have, right? People are winning because they're looking and doing it, all these little bitty things, right? They're not just editing a video, tossing up and hoping for the best. 
They're scrutinizing thumbnails. They're trying to learn how to color correct some stuff. They're messing with their editing. They're getting new software. They're, there's thing after thing. Hell, I've changed how I close my videos. I've changed where I put my call to action. I've messed with different transitions and not like there's always something. But yeah, don't blame it on the right algorithms. That ain't they, the recommendation systems aren't what's killing you. There's so many other things. You just got to be willing to do the research is all. But all right, I think we ran it enough. Let me tell everybody where they can find you on socials, Brian. All right. I am Brian Sonic on Twitter, YouTube and Instagram. And our family channel on YouTube is Alan Dever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And I really do seriously want to employ everybody to go check out those videos from Cardsphere over on my YouTube channel because it's a great site to use. They've been great sponsors of the show. And you might save yourself a lot of money and find some rare cards at good prices. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care, care of yourselves, you and your family with goodness, COVID, monkey pox, I don't know, whatever the hell else is out there right now. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 